Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're, you're listening, listening to ghost, ghost host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal. Weekly, Weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer. And you're listening to ghost host, Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books. And you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Hey, everybody, this is Jeff Belanger, writer and researcher for Ghost Adventures. I'm an author, the writer, host, and producer of New England Legends, the television series, and the podcast. And I just love all things spooky, and I love that Sophia Temporelli has made it 10 years, a decade of broadcasting on LiveParanormal.com. Congratulations, that's an incredible accomplishment, and please stay spooky, Sophia.
That's right. It's the Ghost of the Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. And congratulations, Sophia, on celebrating over a decade. That's right, 10 years here on Live Paranormal. Sophia, you got Twitters, you got all these different things, you got the YouTube. Where can people find you? Um, you can see our past interviews on the Ghost Host of Sophia Temporelli on YouTube. My Instagram is at Sophia Temporelli and Twitter just at Sophia Temporelli with one L because my name's too long. <laughs> All right, exciting that show today. Who do you have on? And tell us about your guest. Today we welcome Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Portals to Hell co-host and investigator Katrina Weidman as she promotes the series season three premiere next Saturday, April 9th, 10 p.m. Pacific on the Travel Channel and streaming the same day on Discovery Plus. Everyone visit Twitter, Instagram, at Katrina Weidman, at Jack Osborne, at Travel Channel, and at Discovery Plus. Also make sure when you're watching to hashtag Portals to Hell. Let's welcome Katrina into the show. Congratulations, Katrina. Thanks for coming on. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be back. Hey, Definitely. thank you again so much for coming on today, and congratulations on season three of Portal to Hell. Um, it's such a great show, and it's really exciting that, you know, you guys get to go to so many more locations. Yeah, yeah. thank you. It was, um, <laughs> excuse me, it was a really fun season because we just, we had so many different locations that were off the beaten path and um, a lot mm-hmm. that have never been on television before. So a lot of the locations we went to were just sort of like you would only know about if you've gone to that town, you know. And uh, yeah, for so sure. we wanted, yeah, one of them was uh, Malco Theater in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Another one was Ernestine and Hazel's in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> those were probably two of my favorites that stand out. And then we went to some that are more mm-hmm. well-known, like um, Hillview Manor, which is our season opener on April 9th, which was bonkers. Um, so that was a really fun location to do, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the really cool thing just about, you know, haunted locations. I mean, there's so many throughout the world. It seems like, you know, you might have discovered them all, but there's still so many hidden gems and just, you know, these small towns or, you know, just remote places that – have yet to be investigated and discovered as to, you know, what's haunting it. Yeah. And we also, you know, one of the things that came out of COVID was there were Mm -hmm. certain places that were shut down for regulations. So they weren't allowed to operate, you know, um, their normal way. So they then became open for things like us. So one of the places we went to was Virginia. It's a working museum and um, it's like an old battlefield. And they normally do school tours, but, you know, with the pandemic, they couldn't do that. So they welcomed, they welcomed us in, and it was an amazing time. Um, if you're a history buff, you're definitely going to love that one. Definitely. And, you know, I used to ask uh, people on my show uh, during the pandemic, more um, kind of just at its height. But, you know, since that was a great point you brought up about all these locations being closed down, due to COVID, do you think that heightened the activity at the locations or do you felt that it was kind of the same? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things of like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like some locations, they were like activity completely stopped for us. We didn't really have anything go on. And other locations were like, it's crazy in here ever since the pandemic happened. And I don't know why. So I think it was, in in my experience, a mixed bag of responses, but it's definitely something that we were talking about, Jack and I, because, you know, we always wonder how much of us humans 
plays a part in sparking activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just such an interesting thing because it's like, are the spirits more active because they finally, there's no one around, so they get to just kind of relax and not have people ask them questions, (laughs) or are they more active because they're trying to reach out more and there's no one around to actually hear them at this point in time? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to tell. The the journey continues on that question, I think. Definitely. And, you know, Katrina, you're an amazing investigator, but what kind of initially got you started for your love of the paranormal and the unknown? It was, for me, it was growing up in haunted houses. So we grew up in two. Mm -hmm. So we had one and then we moved to another one. And um, my mom's side of the family had had experiences as well. So my grandmother lived in like this really old farmhouse that had, um, I think they believed it was part of the Underground Railroad. And it was next door to where George Washington and his encampment slept. And um, it's a really historical place. And she had experiences there. My aunt had experiences there when she was a kid. Um, So my mom's side was like very much, yeah, this stuff happens. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my dad was more like total opposite. Um, So I think as a kid, I got a good balance of both perspectives and they didn't necessarily like encourage it, but they didn't necessarily deny it either. It was like this weird middle ground. But for me, I'm a very stubborn person and I have been since I was a child. So I just like, I wanted Mm -hmm. answers. And, you know, when the like scholastic book fair would come around, I would get all the books about ghosts and aliens. And I, I remember being so amazed that there were other people like us. Because they like I don't know as a kid you don't necessarily comprehend that there's more yeah you know you kind of just think oh I'm the only one that had this or we're the only family and we're weird and um <clears throat> which we are a weird family but we we, we own that um but <laughs> that's a separate thing <laughs> but um yeah. you know I remember specifically like reading about Lorraine Warren and some of the cases she had done and. I always just thought there was, like, one case she did. And then when I got older and I was, like, reading more, there were, like, all these cases, like, thousands of cases. And I was, like, holy cow. Um, and so that really jumped me into, like, you know, the rabbit hole. I was, like, I was a goner, hook, line, sinker after that. And then um, when I got to college, they had a club, and I signed up for that. And it was, like, a complete snowball effect. Um, I never expected this to be a career. If you had told me that when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I would have, I mean, even probably when I was 20, I would have been like, yeah, (laughs) not that I wasn't interested in it or, you know, I thought I would do it and like be involved, but there weren't like the options that exist today weren't existing then. So um, it just really snowballed and kind of took on a life of its own. Definitely. I think that happens with so many people who investigate the paranormal. I can totally relate to what you mean about just, you know, not really thinking that other people have these experiences or, you know, wanting to know more once you do. That's kind of how I started my radio show. I lived in a haunted house. And at such a young age, having those experiences, I wanted to know if there were other kids my age that could relate to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I can't go to school and just talk about it. People just don't understand. Uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of difficult, you know, going through that and feeling so alone. And you know, you can talk to your parents about it, but it's not the same as having someone your own age that you know understands you on a different level. You can talk about video games, but you can also you know talk about thing that is just different. And uh, 
I think it's great when you meet other people in the field or out of it that, you know, want to know more about the paranormal or have had these experiences. Yeah, totally. And you hit it on the head. It was like a really weird, a weird thing when you're a kid going through it. Um, and I, I mean, I was always like, you know, every sleepover, someone would go home crying because I would, <laughs> I would tell them about the ghosts in my house. <laughs> so you learn after a while to kind of keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I had I had the opposite. I had uh, one of my friends begging to use the Ouija board, and I'm like, no, no, we're not, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, just no. They're like, come on, Sophia, you do ghost stuff. I'm like, yeah, don't touch it. <laughs> so uh, it's crazy, just that that difference too, in acceptance over the years of the paranormal. With you know shows like Portal to Hell, I mean, I think it brings just a broader um, understanding and knowledge of the field. What initially drew you to Portal to Hell? How did that all come about for you? Yeah, Portal to Hell was random um, because I got an email from from Jack and his company, and they were like, you know, Jack wants to talk to you about um, an opportunity and a thing that he's doing. And I ended up talking to him and then we met for breakfast in like New York and like talked for a really long time. And um, we surprisingly were like very much on the same page about our outlook on the paranormal, Mm -hmm. what we wanted to do in it, our goals and what we felt wasn't working. And um, so it happened in like such a weird way because it, it, it kind of just happened very, very quickly. Like I got an email one day and I really didn't understand what was going on. And then they were like, Oh, by the way, we're going to film an episode next week. And I was like, what? So it was, uh, it, it, it was like this weird kind of timetable, I think. But, um, it, I wanted to do it because when I met with Jack, I felt we were on, we were very much on the same where we wanted to see, you know, the field go and what we wanted to do with the time that we had to do portals because, you know, one of the opportunities that you're afforded when you when you work on a show is you do have a budget for like location and equipment and mm-hmm. witnesses. And so a lot of times, you know, when you're working in the field, there's not, oh, I mean, most of these teams, and especially when I was on a team that didn't have a TV show behind it, you know, you're, you're self-funding everything and it can be really expensive. And, um, yeah. you know, so it was, it was, a thing of like, you know, we have this great opportunity to go to some of these amazing locations and we might be the only people ever to go into them. What do we want to do with that time? And we just very much aligned on, on what we wanted. So um, it felt like a, a good, a good marriage to make there. Definitely. I mean, it's so important to just have a bond and a trust with whoever you're co-investigating with. I mean, it's, I mean, when you're on the same page, even if your idea is, differ a little bit. I mean, that helps because you're able to, you know, kind of share ideas with each other, but also, you know, have enough respect for each other that, you know, you're not arguing about it. You, you know, that whatever you experience, they're either there to help you debunk it or confirm it. And, you know, just that reliability in another person, I think is one of the most important aspects when investigating. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, when I meet people that are just starting out, when they're like, what, what's some advice? That's one of the pieces I always give out. I'm like, you've got to trust the people you're working with, you know, because you're going to you're going to be relying on their eyewitness accounts too. You know, you got to be able to trust that. Definitely. I mean, it's like, you know, if, if 
you think you see a light and it just happens to be a car passing by, but you don't see it at first, but your co-investigator does, you can believe them going, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, never mind. Um, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's super helpful because you can't see everything. Uh, I mean, we're not owls. You can't just see everything like that. Uh, I mean, what what do you do? Like, what is your process when going into these investigations? Um, I know it can be hard if you're dealing with, you know, families or, you know, historic locations. There's so much research involved. What is your process like? Yeah, I think it's the, it depends on the location. So a client-based case is way different than a location-based case because, I mean, you're, you're obviously you're dealing with people and your number one job at that point is to be their guide and their advocate. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, but when you're just working with the location, you know, you kind of have the luxury of um, kind of tailoring it a little bit more to things you want to try. So, for example, for me, sometimes – I don't really want to know a whole lot before I go in. I just kind of want to see what happens and see what I pick up and see where I'm drawn to. Um, other times I, I can, you know, dive in really, really deep and um, understand more of the history and the research behind it. Where like client cases, I feel like, you know, you, you gotta, you really gotta have all your, your ducks in a row for those because again, you're dealing, I mean, these are real people and they're, it's their lives. You know, and I, I take that really seriously. Um, so, but generally, you know, when we're doing a show, for example, mm-hmm. not like a private thing, we, we're usually surrounded by such a great team that, um, you know, so we have like researchers, we have people that are making sure we have the best witnesses or the witnesses that were hard to find for the location and somehow our producers find them. You know, so um, it's really, it becomes such a team effort on a show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, researchers can find some crazy things. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. amazing, you know, just some people are really good at that. I'm not one of those people. I think that's one of the hardest things <laughs> about investigating. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that person. Um, <laughs> I know you can't talk too much about what happens on this current season of Portals to Help, but what has been your favorite moment in the previous seasons um, that, you know, really stuck out to you as either an exciting moment or a scary moment um, while investigating? Mm. Well, we honestly, we had some killer locations this season, and we had some really weird stuff happen. I So there's a couple that, for, like, different reasons. One – uh, it's actually kind of a two-part for this investigation. We went to this historical park in uh, Virginia, and it's an old battlefield. And we did have really weird responses with the REM pods. And full disclosure, I am, like, the biggest person that's, like, it's a REM pod. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, I am so skeptical whenever that thing goes off. And, it, like, again, yeah. you know, it's the thing of, like, there's no piece of device that's going to there, – there's nothing to tell us there's a ghost, right? So what the, what the REM pod mm-hmm. is doing is detecting fluctuations in EMS. And if, if something breaks that EMS field that it's radiating, it sounds off. So it doesn't mean it's a ghost. It means something is, you know, breaking that field. Um, but we were having responses that don't make any sense. And it went on for a really, really mm-hmm. long time. And we kept trying to troubleshoot it. We couldn't find an answer. It was coinciding with other pieces of evidence that were happening. Um, and like pretty jarring evidence too. 
so that night because I'm like, there's got to be a reason. <laughs> I, at this point, I keep coming up empty-handed. Um, so that's one that really sticks out to me. The other part of that was I don't want to give it away, but um, mm-hmm. our team found really amazing historical evidence that even the museum didn't have. And oh, wow. It, yeah, it was really, really cool to be able to give that to them and, you know, know that we, not just on the ghost side, but just on the historic level, you know, kind of helped them out in some way. We added to it. Um, and there's another one, the trailer, uh, Taylor Trask Museum. It's really, really weird. It's up in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it's actually two houses, but they're right next door to each other, very close. And um, we were in the one. And it was like some old, I don't know, it was like an old coffee table, end table type thing. So that mm-hmm. was like an aluminum kind of material. So if you like banged on it or pressed really hard on it, it would like when it bounced back, it would like make a sound, right? And yeah. um, our our director of photography, Addison, um, you guys might see him like on camera sometimes. He has red curly hair, nicest guy ever. And he had his camera, which is very heavy, and Addison's a grown man, and he was sitting on it, not moving, because I was watching him. He was in my eyeline. And all of a sudden, with him sitting on it and the camera, it, the whole thing, like, starts to shake and rattle. And he wow. felt it. He was like, what is going on? And what was weird, it was within, like, a succession of different things happening within like, I think within like an hour or so of like just things that were like, maybe that's explainable. And then a couple of things were like, we don't know what that is. And then Mm -hmm. it like escalated to this and we're like, whoa. Um, And again, Jack and I were troubleshooting it and we never found an answer for how that could happen with like a grown person sitting on top of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy the things like that, that you can't explain um, on investigations, especially, you know, when someone's just there and they're not investigating and it just happens to them. It's like, you know, you try and find an explanation, but I think for the person there too, you know, if it's a skeptic, then it kind of changes their outlook on, you know, the world and just the afterlife too. So I think, you know, just small moments like that can really make such a big impact on an investigation or just someone's life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I know that you are a very busy person, so I know you don't have much time today, but is there any location on Portals to Hell that you would love to revisit or a location, if you could go anywhere, that you would love to investigate on Portals to Hell? Mm, you know what would be cool, a cool place to go with Jack? I think Alcatraz would be really cool to go with our team. Mm-hmm. Um. I've never been there, and uh, the one time, when I went to San Francisco, uh, it was like the one time ever they closed Alcatraz, and they were like, "Yeah, it's, it's like closed for three days," and it just happened to be the days I was in town. And I was like, "Ah, oh. so like, I've always wanted to go back." Um, the Queen Mary would be another one. I've never been to Queen Mary, and mm-hmm. um, I know Jack has, and he had some cool experiences there, and. My grandfather was actually on the Queen Mary um, from well, World War II uh, when he was coming. I think oh, it was wow. when he was coming back. Yeah, coming back to the so, um I thought that was really cool. I remember when he had passed and we were at his house, you know, just going through his old papers and photography and all that stuff. And um, I think it was 
think it was the photo they had. And it said, you know, my grandfather's mm-hmm. name on the Queen Mary, like 1945 or whatever. And uh, so I think that would kind of be cool just for the family connection. Definitely. I mean, Alcatraz is such an amazing location. My parents got to go there. I haven't been, but I would love to investigate there mm. as well. And the Queen Mary is so iconic. And I mean, you never know what you're going to get there. Um, I think it'd be really cool to see you and Jack investigate there on Portals to Hell. Yeah, I think so. And anywhere warm too. I'm always I'm always pushing for islands. So I'm like, can we just go to like Hawaii for a season? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know, it'd be really weird if we talked to the ghosts over there because I don't think they get yes, yeah. too much interaction. I think it'd be really nice of us to come talk to them. Yeah. Um, you're like Jamaica too. I feel like we should go see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So are there any websites, upcoming interviews, or events that you would like to mention? Uh, I know everyone should go check out Portals to Hell, though, on April 9th. Yes, absolutely. So what's really cool this season about Portals is that it is going to air on Travel Channel, but the same day Mm -hmm. you can stream it on Discovery+. Plus. So if you have both, you can stream it a little earlier. If you um, are true diehard Travel Channel travel channel fan you can watch travel channel that night and it will be on um there's 13 new locations so 13 episodes um which is a nice number that we love to pick and <laughs> and um, yeah yeah right lucky 13 but it's uh it's just such a great season honestly there's so many cool locations we went to and we had some really interesting evidence and we have people like Cindy Kaza coming on Michelle Bellinger took coffee. There is a psychic that I cannot mention just yet because I think they're saving it for a surprise, but it is very cool. Mm-hmm. And I totally fangirled like the whole time. Um, so we have some really awesome secrets or not secrets, but surprises. I think surprises in store for everybody. Well, I can't wait to see all the surprises in store. And people can also find you on social media at Katrina Weidman and hashtag Portals to Hell. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, Katrina. It's great talking to you as always. Yes, thank you for having me back. And congratulations on 10 years. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you back on in the future. Yeah, I would love to. Nana, congratulations. Thanks, Katrina. Yeah, thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, too. Thanks. Thanks, Katrina. Well, fantastic show today, Sophia. Absolutely. Katrina is such a great guest, as always. Everyone, make sure to check out Portals to Hell on April 9th at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Travel Channel. Stream it early on Discovery+. Plus. And I will talk to you guys next week. Um, thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you. Bye. Fantastic, Sophia. Congratulations on 10 years. And, yeah, just uh, – yeah, we're closing out the show here, but yeah, it's season three. That's a premiere next Saturday, April 9th, 10 p.m. Pacific on the Travel Channel. And again, it's streaming the same day on Discovery Plus. And there's going to be 13 episodes on the Discovery Plus, too, as well. I got a note on that from the network. So everyone, visit Twitter and Instagram at Katrina Weidman, at Jack Osborne, at Travel Channel, at Discovery Plus. And as you're getting in on the conversations or you're going to be on Twitter and everything, hashtag portals to hell. Coming up. We have Beyond Expo founder and producer Susan Bell and author broadcaster Travis Short. That's going to be on the 23rd. Also, we have Horsefly Chronicles radio hosts, paranormal investigators Phil and Julia Saracusa. That will be on May 14th. We have other people securing their dates too as well. So we have some great announcements coming up from people that are uh, 
securing their dates closer to when those uh, events are going to be. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming broadcasts. So like the ghost host Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guest real time. We have Easter coming up, so we'll have a best of in between there. But you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows, and we'll see you next week. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files. And you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Hi, this is Debbie as Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.LiveParanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun.